0: Oh dear, hi listeners, welcome to Podcast with Paul. (laughs) We've got interesting insights guaranteed, (laughs) and it's time to increase your emotional intelligence. Are we up for increasing our emotional intelligence listeners? Let's have lots of joy and fun and excitement for sure. Hey, I've got some really special guests along the way, way. interesting people, really challenging ideas and challenging conversations, it's going to be amazing you can learn more about what to do, why to do what to do, and what to do about it all. <laughs> it's so much fun becoming self-aware, motivated, alive, learning new ways to see the world. Hey everybody, welcome to a Podcast with Paul. Ah, welcome back, listeners. It's time for Joe and episode three. We as humans are trying to best deal with how to best treat each other moving forward. Mm. And I know that you know there's lots of issues now around for men. Mm. How do we react to women? And how do women want to be received and reacted to in a relationship sense? Because often, you know, the men become lost in the world of am I permitted to Open the door for you. Do I shout when we go out to dinner? Mm. How much of chivalry am I able to be? And for a woman, there is some levels of expectation maybe around that. Mm. But how much does a man lead around, you know, does the man ask the woman for a dance? Or is it okay for the woman to ask the man for a dance? And, and the woman say, oh, of course we can ask the ask, ask dance. So equality and where we sit in all of that, it's shifting. And I'm not sure how it's shifting and why it's shifting, but I recognize that there is an obvious difference between man and woman. (laughs) Obviously, there's a complement. They complement each other. Mm. And there is a contrast and a difference between the two. But this idea of equality, I think for me, they're as equally as important for each other, but there is still a difference. The idea that equality and difference seems to exist in a place of. What's more important? I don't believe anything, any one is more important than the other. They're as important as each other. But I still think that men and women are different.
1: I'd say so. <laughs> That's all interrelated, everything you just kind of said there, in my opinion. See, I'm a, big, I'm a big... Just one of the conclusions I've come to so far that I walk with, on one level, is no prescriptions. There's very few things that you can generically prescribe as the right or wrong way to do something. And the, the example, the funny story about your mother... It's just a very interesting idea that, for me, it's more about the energy behind something than the yes. thing itself. The intention, yes. Yeah, mm. so it depends where it's come. So I talk to people sometimes and they're like, you know, someone who's 15 he will say, like, yeah, I want to marry a um, someone from Dubai one day who can afford to buy me all these handbags or something, <laughs> right? And now sometimes someone would say that and you're like, oh, God, you know, but there's someone I know, a cousin who said that, and I just find it funny. Sometimes these things that sound, the words, right? If you could sit there and pick up the energy like i are saying, it's just, it's funny, it's weird, and it's endearing. There's an endearing quality to our idiosyncrasies. And, you know, me and my brothers beat, beat each other up all the time. I was never the biggest fighter outside of that. I was a very aggressive sport player, but as soon as it was physically violent, I actually just I always stopped. So I was the opposite. I would yell at people and all that. But as soon as someone—it like, was fists—I actually always walked. Away. I don't know why. I always just walked away. You know, that was my time to try and rise above, and that was just me. But it depends—the energy behind. When I fight with my brother, he's obviously not fighting to the death, and it's there's something affectionate about it. When,
0: it can be a fun fight. It can but, be, but it's, yeah. it's a fun thing. It's yeah, not necessarily I know the disciplining
1: serious. one as well. But you're so right, and that's a, there's a guy Gabal Mate. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a big researcher into like a addiction. And a lot of early childhood trauma And all the different ways it impacts us Over the course of life Being much deeper than, Especially in mental health And we often assign a lot of the stuff A lot of stuff to biology and genetics Which is much more Maybe like got to do with the experience Of what happens to us Maybe This is part of his thinking And he's come out being very critical About a lot of the psychologists Who tell you to let children Go in the corner And stuff like that and he says that he believes that more often than not our natural instinct of what to do is the correct thing to do mm. yeah, like that's the mother interesting. the mother doesn't want to put their kid away and listen to the baby cry she wants yeah. to cuddle it normally yeah. right yeah and that instinct is funny how much of human experience is actually already given to us mm. intuitively mm. And we just, now with the kids fighting, my cousin she has two beautiful kids and we, you know they come to the beach over the summer and was playing with them a lot. One's four, one's six. And the four-year-old, where he likes to play with me, he likes to come up and start beating me up and hitting me. And I just find it funny and fun. And I'm picking him up and, and holding him away so he can't quite get me and I'm giving him a soft knock back. And to me, it's endearing. It's it's a, it's adorable. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's being a little... He's, he's going... But he's aggro. He's I'll, really trying to get me. I'll get right? you. He's really yep. trying to get me. Yeah. Do I look at him like, oh, this kid's got... I don't look at him like, oh, this kid's got problems <laughs> we play along into it yeah you know yes. ah, interesting we play along, but see you don't become uh, to respond with love yeah where's there a situation where it's better yes. not to respond with love in whatever form we can muster yes that's the interesting question that's the interesting question why would i respond with something other than love yeah as long as i have the resources to do it at the time if and you what's would, the downside
0: if you were if if you did respond with i don't know how to respond or anxiety or you start to give off you know don't do that. The minute it said, don't do that, you're not riding the wave of whatever's going on for them. Exactly. And the, exactly. The, the riding of the wave of what's going on for them is allow that to move as it does. Yeah. But at the end of the time, your response to them is love and all they can receive back from you is love. And the and it could be attention-seeking. However, yeah. in the attention-seeking that they that they want, your response to that is love but all all i'm going to get from my uncle all i'm going to get from my dad all i'm going to is this response of this place of love so interesting because there it is maybe we're giving up our own ideas around what we expect especially when you're bringing up children you say oh we give to our children's what we didn't have for ourselves we did touch on that about the the idea that kick the goal uh young one and if you don't kick the goal you're stupid, you missed the yeah. goal. Now, we want them to kick the goal for our own yeah. idea of what maybe isn't complete in us because yeah. if only our kid was great, then I, I could prove that I'm the best father or mother that, yeah. that, that I could possibly be. But as soon yeah. as our children let us down, we start to realise that, oh, maybe I didn't think I was great. But we, we have, as often, a very a high desire for achievement for our children. Mm. But really, are we there to love them and support them for who they are, mm. not for what you want them to be. Yeah. And that's an interesting place because you know where can often you might want to try and say that you have some power to guide and to direct but at times maybe we don't really know. We need to maybe listen, watch, understand, learn, support and truly love and probably accept. Accept and surrender. Surrender. Nothing nothing's perfect.
1: You know it's not going to be perfect and it is what it is but uh, that the imperfection is the perfection mm. and that's something you just mentioned before it's a bit of a head twister but the idea is you wouldn't really if you could actually have things in what, what you think is perfect you could have it you can do the thought experiment of imagining that you could even write it out as a story and it would not actually be what you wanted that's the thing it's a myth because all we have is the imagination we have now and the best thing I could imagine for myself, three years ago or one year ago, is very different today. Yeah, now. we're always we're always on the move and shifting. And on. I look at things I was chasing at previous times in the past, what I thought I wanted, and I look back. Normally, I think, lucky I didn't get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, lucky I didn't get it. Isn't that interesting? That's so interesting. What do you do? What do you do? You just go with the flow and let go of of your your preconceived, conditioned ideas. And the more open we are, the more possible for joy to enter. Yeah, what downside do you have Mm. being open? Mm. Being open is actually a more joyous place of of, of being. I know that people we've noticed in our lives, and you did share this with me, that the obsessive behavior of some is looking for their completeness in things or in either doing things or having things. So it's a possession thing. Mm. So I've noticed sometimes that people start to collect or start to need or desire for more and it becomes something that I find can be insatiable so the more (laughs) that there is never a place of actual satisfaction around the more you get Mm. but the one thing I know that my dad said to me once he says you know I wanted to buy a new car I said dad I want to buy this new car what do you think about that car and he said it will satisfy you for a time (laughs) but there will be a time when it comes that that car won't be the car you want any longer, and you'll want a different one. But the whole car salesman idea is when the young person comes into the car yard and sees the car, they'll sign any piece of paper as long as they get the car Mm. because the car becomes an extension of their own personality. And when you're young, you see yourself in the car, Mm. and you see yourself as part of that idea of yourself. So you start to attach yourself to an item that forms your identity. I remember young Mitchell wanting to have a motorbike, I said no man you can't have a motorbike and he was 17 and said no i'm going to go and get one i said no you're not i said if you can't get one you're, you're not living here and he comes back with, the, with the, the, the signed form i've got the motorbike i said really well you haven't got a place to live he said what do you mean i said well you know i told you the deal so either you take back the form and tell the man you haven't got a place to live or you piss off and i'm happy either way whichever way you do Just don't be here tonight if you choose to keep the bike you can't do that. Well, I've just done it. You're 17. You're a smart-ass. Piss off. <laughs> but, but, you, know, you know how to run the world. Off you mm. go. Take your little motorbike. Mm. There's the door. Mm. Now, it's very, very brutal. Mm. But the truth is that he wasn't ready, but he saw himself as a person who, you know, was ready. Yeah. Now, you know, the young 17-year-old is beautiful. But at the end of the day, You have to be firm in your position as a provider because you can say oh no i accept the decision you made and now we have to put up with it and now the motorbike sits there Mm. but to take a stand as the adult who's looking after the person who is and you're responsible for, sometimes those stands you take are necessary even though they might be unpopular (laughs) unpopular Mm. Mm. or the child is going just a minute you know you have no rights to be able to to think that you can say and do and control my life and I'm i'm not interested in controlling your life Just get out of mind if you don't want to do what I know was safe and and, and sensible for you. You can start to do that to yourself Mm. and start to look at your own choices and your own decisions. And something that I realise more than ever now is that facing yourself and facing the ones that you love and and hanging in there, that idea of hanging in there rather than running away, chasing something that's outside of yourself, but moving towards to what is yourself and accepting and love yourself in its imperfection. Such an interesting concept or idea, are we really in control of all of that? And you know, do we have that choice and how, how much of that choice do we have and when are we ready to take on that choice? Because sometimes I think we find ourselves in a position where I didn't choose this, it come my way. You know, Some young ones may have found themselves in a relationship that they didn't actually choose but they just suddenly found themselves there and they might have produced children, and those children were suddenly their responsibility, but they didn't actually choose it. It's just something that moved along their way. Now, when it comes to what it is we have and how it is we have, it seems to me that our greatest learning and the greatest place of where our character is created, of who we are, is not in where life is easy for us, (laughs) but where Mm. our adversity lies. Mm. And what builds our understanding of ourselves and how to respect and love our lives and to search for our lives comes from not necessarily an easy time, but from hardship. Mm. And how do we accept hardship and does hardship, uh, uh, you've been privileged, I keep telling you you're the privileged bloke, Mm. but in the privileged place that you recognise because you come from a third generation Mm. successful family who've you know done very well over there in Sydney, in the space of that, you have developed and come through some levels of hardship I know you recognise, But the self-discovery and the discovery that you said, I'm going to go and change the world and all the things that you were hopeful for and the fact that you're now contemplating matters that you are contemplating. Do you find that you would like to say, yes, I faced adversity or do you even think that adversity was part of your journey? It was hugely
1: part of my journey. Hugely? Yeah, really interesting. The thing is, human experience happens inside you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yes, inside right. you, yeah. So whatever's going on inside you, even if it's it's easier to see in other people when you think they're kinda of making this for themselves, right? It's harder to see that in yourself. I'm making this myself. But even if someone's making it in themselves, they're experiencing it. So if it feels bad, at that time unfortunately it feels bad. Even if they're rich, even if they're some famous person's son or child, or even if they're living in, like, the most impoverished part of the world, materially impoverished. I've never had a time where, you know, my family was financially uncomfortable my whole life. Yet, the challenges I did experience mainly as a teenager and then various things, probably early 20s or after leaving high school in particular, all those things I experienced, money couldn't do anything about them. And there are so many things like that in life. I guess the thing is that, you know, they did this study on people, uh, I think in Finland and Russia are about, what is it, gluten intolerance. Oh, yeah. Right? And so people on Finland tend to, they believed, had a higher quality of life than the ones in Russia and the other side of the water, but very close to each other. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was very little gluten allergy in Russia. There's a lower quality of life, supposedly. But in Finland, there's much more gluten allergy. And what do we have <laughs> these days? We have all these allergies that appear as quality of life goes up. So what happens uh-huh. when the tide goes down and it's easier to stay there and be above water. You start to see what was underneath, mm. and that's what happens. So we have no choice but to transcend it, might, to rise above life circumstances, because everything has a trade off. So yeah, I had immense, immense personal problems, sometimes incredibly acute, uh, for, for better or for worse. When I look back, it all stems from it's all facilitated by ego for me. Really, our human suffering, like mm-hmm. on on the psychological level, mm-hmm. because it all relates to how you perceive yourself, mm-hmm. and that's what it hurts. You know, the idea that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I don't feel good, and obviously there's an overlap with mental health mm. and all those different problems we can have in, in a mental health lens. And obviously, it's always like I have this idea I always call the slingshot principle, which is the further a slingshot gets pulled back, obviously the more power it has to you know, shoot in the other direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so obviously the greatest setbacks when you reverse the way you look at it are the greatest opportunities. So mm. if you've experienced incredible pain in your life on whatever level, it normally gives you a level of understand. If you are able to rise above it, And normally, those are the people who tend to have a deeper understanding of human beings and they're given more room for empathy with others, they tend to have higher emotional intelligence and things like that. And that's a pattern I've noticed pretty consistently with people. And so that tends to be, and especially people who have suffered immense trauma in their childhood, they tend to have more open-mindedness because they've had to introspect earlier in life about and get a grip on what's going on, what's happening to me and how do I deal with it. And that triggers a lot of curiosity about who we are as people and what we are. And that leads to a journey where they tend to become very compassionate, caring people. But actually carrying a lot of deep pain that still lingers there on a very subtle level. What a lot of narcissism and stuff like that. That's very close alongside. It's a very fascinating thing. So, yeah, personally, it would never have looked like it to the outside. But, you know, definitely. But I think, I don't think anyone gets through, you know. I don't know anyone who's. A... <laughs> who, you know what? The people who get who gets people, through unscathed. Actually, I do know people who claim to go through unscathed. Yeah. But they seem to be the most disturbed people. <laughs> 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 there's some people yeah. who say nothing, yeah, and who just seem calm, and that it's like. But there's some people who. Declare You can tell, you can tell they're telling themselves. Yeah. by Telling you. Yeah. And it's a suppression thing.
0: Yeah. I don't have any problems. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm I, so lucky I'm I've so, had. I've had the blessing. I'm
1: so lucky the lu- yeah. life I've had and all that. You, got you no, look I, at him
0: going. You know how good I feel. Okay. Huh? You know how how, no, how I know I'm so much different from everyone else. Yeah. I am so happy. Yeah, I'm so happy. as
1: soon as someone, it's, it's what you say. As soon as you, as soon as they're saying exactly what it is, you know that's what it isn't, right? <laughs> yeah, because the people who have it don't don't need talk to about it because mm. they're having the experience.
0: Mm. Isn't that when so? they're not
1: having the experience, they need to generate the experience, and they normally do that by getting it validated somehow. Mm. So,
0: look, thank you, Joe. Look, you have been a a, a a wonderful person to come and have a chat. Yeah, and thank you. you've you've been, it's it's been so interesting and what and, you know things that we've touched and really some deep matters but some really matters that that probably you know you would think not always easy to talk about but we talked about them easily and also the the place of where we i think are helping ourselves as we as we talk about that and I'm, I'm always thought why are we doing this you know why do we need to have this conversation and I said to you today I said look we'll have a go go and have a conversation but in 10 years time we might look back and laugh at it and go boy weren't we saying what we're saying but probably we were saying a lot of things that we that we believe are true and probably they are still remaining to be true into the future but we're on a journey of exploration together and that journey of exploration is to ask ourselves the question in the search for the answers that give us a place of really place of freedom of expression, a freedom to express the joy that we feel, and the freedom to laugh. And I know one thing when you got on the plane to come and see me, you sent me a message and said, well, Jetstar uh, uh, are not getting me here on time, you know, <laughs> they're going to be an hour and a half late or whatever. And then you sent me a, a picture of you on the seat, and you had a big funny f- funny face, you know, yeah. pulled pull a face. And I was interested to hear when people, you know, their flight's been delayed or whatever, like, there seems to be complaint around the, the the flight, and the blame of you know Jetstar and the whatever. And for you, it was like, oh well, I am going to be late, and I am going, yeah, oh well, you are going to be late. We didn't care. No. We just knew, or somehow we knew that we didn't have any power over that, so there wasn't much we could do about it. And what are we complaining about? Uh, what the plane's in the sky and it's going to come down. And maybe if there was some emergency, we might have a reason to say something about that. But even if there was an emergency, the the plane can't go any faster. So <laughs> in life, the complaint of it could be different and I wish it was is a constant complaint that I often hear. And when I hear it, I remind myself that I don't want to be complaining about the complaint. Yeah. So as I hear it, I don't want to say, okay, that person and make a judgment around it. Mm. It's going to come from love. Yeah. And when I come from love of self and love of the complaint, the complaint sort of can dissipate as I hear it. So I don't need to judge it. just say, oh, you know, uh, I heard it. Do I need to say something about it? Are they complaining to me? Are they complaining about something? But often the complaint is coming from a place of, you can't do much about it. It is what it is. Just surrender to it. Allow it to exist as it does. But when you hear yourself complain, just realize that, hey, lighten up. Take yourself less seriously. We're not that important. Things We haven't got time to be that important. We've, got, you know, we've got a certain amount of time. Let's lighten up and be, be a little less serious. And then you attracted to, to the book I was writing about, you know, having a laugh. And then we've converted that into a, now a book that's a, a a real laugh, but it's more yeah. of a story. Yeah. So we wanted to create a story where we could learn and. and And have a laugh at at Mm. characters that were created. We've been doing that, and we're having fun doing that. So, listeners, obviously, Joe and I have been busy writing a book for the last two years. It's been Mm -hmm. been a long time. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it's almost two years. And in that process, we've got to know each other, and it's been an absolute blessing to have a friend that I call someone who's really on a journey, and a willingness, and a a place of being available to saying how it is for him, and also having the the balls and the courage to say how it is for him and really to be vulnerable around that and not to have the opinion that you know it all but to have the real understanding that no I don't know much anyway mm. and why would I think I do and what value of thinking I know it all and you know do I need to do I need to tell people how clever I am no just give it up and say it's okay <laughs> have a bit of a laugh I'm not that bloody important and I know I know, I know that we both recognize that now mm. and as we see our ego at work and then we can laugh at ourselves, and when we laugh at our ego, having an attempt to be important, we go, "Oh, there you go again." Yeah. So laugh at it. When we laugh Don't at try bo- to hide it. <laughs> yeah. When we laugh at our attempt to have this importance going on. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so it's so simple, and yet some people say, "Oh, what are you laughing about, Paul?" And I go, "You got no idea, but I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny." So, yes, well, thank you very much, Joe. It's been an absolute joy. And we've got to get back and keep writing this book. Yeah, it and it's been wonderful to have you on podcast with Paul. I hope you've enjoyed that, listeners. Now, one thing we do at the end is we like to play your favorite song, mm. and I know that you're thinking you might have a favorite song, but do you have a favorite song that you can think of now? Because we want to play it at the I end. Think,
1: I think the best one to play right now mm. is uh, that comes to mind is very big for me at the moment. Monty Python, that always look on the bright side of life. Oh, <laughs> well, why not play that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it,
0: it's it's the, it's it's a good one to to reflect on because it's funny, and those guys sort of kept that they going it, as you know? as they got it and. You can sense they got it and their energy around that was let's look on the bright side of life and just realise that somehow and sometimes we are ridiculous and we are funny and it's worth a laugh. And uh, if you had a chance to be able to laugh at the journey while you're having it, realising that we've all got a certain amount of time here on the planet, Mm. but let's let's keep the laughter going and let's keep the happiness going. Let's keep the joy going because, boy, it feels better. It feels so much better. Thank you, Joe. Brilliant. Thank you, listeners, for having us uh, have, having us for all this period of time, Podcast of Paul. I hope I get lo- lots of listeners because it's been a pleasure to meet you, Joe, again and to have this chat. Thanks, Paul. It's been Thanks, a mate. mate. See you again soon. Bye-bye.
2: Some things in life are bad, they can really make you made. Other things just make you swear and curse. I'm for nothing, you know what I say, cheer up you old bugger, come on give us a quiz. there you are, see, end of the film, incidentally this record's available oh. in the form. So they'll never make that money, right?
0: That's another episode from Podcast with Paul. Special thanks everyone. Remember to keep an eye out for our next exciting episode with more fun special guests. Find out more of what we're all about and look up The Laughter Project. Hey everyone, be happy.